Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. everybody welcome back to another episode of our podcast i'm lucas i got chris and jonathan here and guys we are recording our 250th episode if we had sound effects we'd be going off right now we can clap though we can clap it out for sure Marian, very awesome. exciting stuff can't believe it's been like what, what what when did we start this 2019 so it's been about four years 250 episodes Still going strong, Chris, right? Yeah, it's it's been a long road, a lot of different phases over the years, and we're, we're still kicking. So hopefully yep. we get 250 more after this. <laughs> uh, hopefully, hopefully for sure. But uh, Chris, we got a couple games to talk about, some stuff to talk about. How about we jump into it? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, all right, guys. So played the Grizzlies on Thursday night, first game back from the All-Star break. Um Exciting game end-to-end. Obviously, Sixers came out on top, 110-105. Big fourth-quarter comeback, so love to hear your thoughts. Chris, why don't we start with you on the starters? Yeah. Um, for about three quarters there, basically, this was one of Philly's more disappointing efforts in a while. Um, Joel was quite bad for a long stretch of this game, especially on offense. He was like one of 13 from the field, I believe, in the first half. One of the worst halves of basketball we've ever seen Joel play. Like, straight up, he was not good. And those of us who are familiar with Philly and with Joel know that they tend not to respond very well to adversity. Even Joel's body language has been an issue at times in the past. He can kind of sulk every now and then when things aren't going his way. So I think after that first half, despite it somewhat miraculously being only like a 12-point deficit, most of us were ready to turn off the TV. I was very close to being like, I'm just not going to watch the rest of this game because I know where it's going and I don't want to watch it. And I would have been dead wrong. I was dead wrong. Glad, you know, I'm glad I, I, I stuck it out because they showed more fight than we are accustomed to. Joel, especially made up for his lack of offensive production with some pretty remarkable defense. He had six blocks, a couple of which were like some of the coolest blocks I've ever seen in my life. Uh, Notably one on John Morant. That is now the lock screen on my phone. Um, Also had 19 rebounds, six assists, 
to only two turnovers, he, he did other things. He ended up with 27 points, too. It took him 25 shots. But the offense came around there late, and he, he just had a monster two-way effort in the second half to lead Philly back into the game, to help pull out this victory. He deserves a ton of credit for that. I, I think it was one of the most encouraging Embiid performances in a while, honestly, because of that because of the circumstances and because he stuck it out and he found ways to contribute when the shot wasn't falling. So he, he deserves his flowers. James had 31, seven boards, seven assists, six of nine from three. James was really awesome in this game. His shot making was huge. They don't win this game without James uh, stepping up for Joel early and stepping up down the stretch. He had that big shot in the corner after Tobias passed up an open three and drove into two people like he tends to do sometimes. James bailed him out. James had just an awesome game. So James and Joel, those, those are the guys who are, are going to lead Philly to the promised land if they indeed are going to get there at some point. So to see them perform at that level down the stretch, to see James have that kind of night against a team that is presumably a contender, the number two seed out West, um, is pretty encouraging. And it's an amazing, it's kind of amazing that we get to sit here and talk about a win, given how bad that first half was. So those two, I, I think, deserve the most credit. Yeah, you, you certainly give Joel all the credit in the world. I think you could argue this is easily the best defensive game that he's ever played. And if he can bring this during the playoffs, I think the Sixers are going to be a hard out for anybody. Uh, James Harden, like you said, was spectacular. 31 points, 7 and 7, 6 of 9 from downtown. You you gave Tobias some crap on that play, but overall, Tobias had a fantastic yeah. game, 20 points, 4 of 7 from downtown, 4 rebounds, 2 assists. P.J. Tucker did P.J. Tucker things, 6 rebounds, 6 points, 2 of 3 from downtown. Uh, this was not the type of game that we were expecting from Melton, though. For playing against his former team, only was able to stay on the floor for 13 minutes with 5 fouls and 0 points. Certainly not something that we were hoping from the guy who surplanted Maxi in the in the starting five and just was supposed to be the defensive stopper that clearly he wasn't. Yeah, I, I mean, it's not even like John Morant went off or anything. John had a pretty bad game. Uh, he yeah. was 16 from the field overall, but a lot of those minutes were with Tobias guarding him instead of Melton, which is... Kind of weird. Also, maybe like credit to Tobias and maybe an indictment on Jaw for not doing better against Tobias Harris. Um, yeah, a weird game for Morant, and yeah, it was not Melton's best performance. You know, I it's not anything to panic about. He, he's been largely extremely good on defense this year, one of the best defensive guards in the NBA statistically, but. Yeah, this was a pretty rough night for him against the team. I'm sure he would have liked to have done better against. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, you both hit on great points. I mean, honestly, Embiid showed the MVP status in this game, and Harden was just the Harden played perfectly. I felt, um, and Tobias obviously stepping up as the third person. Great to see him finally start hitting some shots, especially some threes. So let's switch to the bench a little. Not too much action outside of Maxi. What were you guys' thoughts? No, I mean, like you said, Maxi, uh, 16 points uh, on 18 shots, 33% from the field. Not his best night. He was 0-6 from deep. This is kind of an ongoing issue, so we're going to talk about it later. But either the aggressiveness isn't there or the efficiency isn't where we're expected to be night tonight. He, he just he doesn't feel like he's been in the right headspace lately. 
Um, th- this was not a good game from him. Uh, you know, George and and Jalen were on the periphery of this game. They didn't have a huge impact. Um, th- this was really a, a game for the starters. Uh, Tyrese obviously played 37 minutes. He is a starter in spirit, really, if not in actuality. And we'll talk again more about that later. But um, the the bench was not great in this game. And it's something they were able to overcome because they have two all-world talents in, in Joel and James and Tobias stepping up, etc. But yeah, not not the greatest performance from the bench. Yeah, I I want to talk more about because like McDaniel's, he was fine. You don't expect a lot of scoring from him. He played defense. That's what you want him for. Milton only had eight minutes, so you can't really expect him to do too much. But. M- Niang needs to hit more than one of four from downtown. We need him to at least make, 50, you know, like at least make two three pointers a game to make make his impact. No, because he's not going to impact the game defensively. So that was, you know, Niang not his best game. And Paul Reed, I mean, look, they were playing with their third and four, uh, second and third string centers with um, with Stephen Adams being out, but Paul Reed did not grab a single rebound in six minutes. And I need him to do a little bit more on the boards because as a, uh, as a whole, the second unit only had six rebounds. So I, I, I need Paul Reed. If you're not going to score, that's fine. And you did, he did have one block shot, but I need him to rebound a little bit more, especially if you're taking over for Montrez. Yeah. I mean, Ben's didn't bring as much as we really needed, but obviously came out with the win. That's most important. I have to switch to last night's game against the Celtics, though. Very tough loss. Could have gone to overtime with that heave of a 70-foot shot by Embiid at the end of the game, but it shouldn't have come down to that. We were up by 15 points in the third quarter. Blew away this lead to the Celtics. I mean, I don't know if you can take positives away from this game, but what are your guys' thoughts? Chris, we can start with you again for the starters. Yeah. Um. Uh, I mean, I, I think there are some positives to take away from this game. Obviously, Joel was flat out incredible, and this has been a difficult matchup for him in the past. So there's reason to be encouraged by that. He had 41 points, 12 boards, five assists, three blocks. He, he did it on both sides of the ball. So he, he, he showed up and against a very stiff and tough defense. Um, there's also like the fact that they were up 15 points in the third quarter. Like you said, this is a game they should have won. And the fact that they didn't speaks to some persistent issues with this team. And it's a bummer in that Tatum shot hurt quite a bit. But, I I mean, it's not like Philly got blown out of the water or anything. They're clearly capable of hanging with this Boston team. This was the Celtics pretty much at full strength, which we haven't really seen um, in these two teams, uh, you know, face-to-face this year. So this was a good test. And for the most part, Philly showed up. They they didn't quite pull it out in the end, but I, I mean I do think there's some, you know, silver linings if you want to look for them. Um, beyond Joel, PJ I, I think is really worth mentioning in this game. He had seven points, sixteen rebounds. Um, you you mentioned Lucas with the Memphis game that he did PJ things, and we're we're seeing a lot more of him doing PJ things lately. I I think he's put together a pretty encouraging stretch here. I'm starting to get a little bit more optimistic about the PJ Tucker experience down the stretch. Um, 37 yeah. minutes in this game, he, and he kicked he kicked butt. It was really nice to see. Um, James pretty bad, 21 and eight 
you know, you're not going to complain too much about that. But only 31% from the field, not his best night offensively. Had some pretty rough moments uh, decision-making-wise, which isn't normal for him. Um, and, and Tobias, again, deserves a lot of credit. You know, as with the Memphis game, he, he showed up, he hit shots, hit three threes. Very efficient, 19 points. He's put together a pretty good stretch lately. You know, he still does a lot of Tobias things that are going to make me and everyone else mad, but he he's playing a lot more like the Tobias that we had earlier in the season. So that's a pretty good sign. Yeah, look, um, P.J. Tucker, I think it's fair to say, based off of what we've seen of him as late, he definitely was taking it easy to begin the season to pace himself. Uh, obviously, we would need this to continue for uh, that statement to be true, but as long as he's performs like this at the end of the season and during the playoffs. That's the important part here. Tobias Harris, I thought Tobias Harris was part of the reason why we built that big lead at the beginning of the game to begin with. Uh, Tobias was great in the in the beginning. Uh, James Harden, you know, we could talk about how inefficient he was scoring, but we also have to remember who was guarding him. Marcus Mark, Defensive Player of the Year. Both, and coming off the bench, Brogdon and White are both above average defenders. They are really good defenders. And like obviously James is a you know former MVP still at an even though he didn't get the nod he he's an All Star level player. Um, that being said, I mean this is not an easy the, those three defenders constantly and sometimes Brown that's not an easy matchup. And so I give I give you know what I'm not going to give him a pass per se, but I understand why he struggled. Uh, Melton struggled in this game again to stay out of foul trouble, four fouls in 25 minutes. Not ideal, but let's, let's go to the bench here, guys. Yeah. I mean, Lucas, what I just wanted to say was like the, the starters, PJ Tucker specifically, he was plus 21. Every starter on the Sixers roster was plus and they played incredibly well. But like you're saying, you got to switch the bench. Everyone had almost double digit negatives and plus minus from the bench yeah look i mean this is what makes boston so great is that they have a bench they played pretty much they, i mean hauser played for two minutes but they really played three guys off the bench that are starters for most other teams and outside of maxi you don't really have anybody that can be a starter for another team on our bench that's the difference between these two teams right now i think is the depth and you, you know the rotations will get smaller as the playoffs get closer but Maxi, four of ten, eight points, two assists. Not the Sixers need more out of him. And we'll like Chris alluded to earlier, we're, we're going to talk about that. But George Nyang, he like I he, another poor performance. Oh, three from the field, oh, two from downtown. You need more from him. McDaniel's did McDaniel's thing, so I can't really complain. But Reed, one rebound, one steal, two turnovers in five minutes. Not not ideal. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the, the bench was really bad in this game. Again, we're going to kind of like bookmark the maxi stuff and talk more about it later, but he was not good in this game. Yeah, like you alluded to, John, minus 23 for McDaniels, minus 22 for George, minus 14 for Paul in under five minutes. It's not good. It's not a good sign. We know that this team struggles quite a lot whenever Joel is off the floor. It's a persistent, continuous issue year after year with this team. I am as big a fan as anyone of Paul Reed. I, I think he is a move in the right direction. I, I like Niang and McDaniels and obviously Tyrese. Like they are ostensibly solid reserve pieces, but it, it's a continuous issue. And 
there are going to be a lot of people, you know, pointing the blame in different directions. Doc's name is going to come up. Um, but, I mean, Philly has done a reasonable job of staggering Joel and James lately. And really the non-Joel minutes are, are what tanked the team in this game. So that's just a continuous issue. I don't think Dwayne Dedman is going to come in and fix it. So it's something to keep an eye on. I, I thought it was notable that in a game where they're maybe shortening the rotations a little bit, uh, like a playoff matchup, Shake appeared to be the odd man out, which I, I understand. It's just like we should keep note of it. Um, once the playoffs arrives, we're probably not going to see as much as Shake. Um, I, I, Chris, to add on to that, I don't think we're going to see a lot of Paul Reed either. I think we're going to see a lot of uh, Tucker at the five. Yeah, no, I, I, was, I, was, I was, yeah, yeah, I just agree. About to say that, yep. Yeah, yeah, and I think the three that we're going to see, like you said, it's kind of, this was kind of a uh, rehearsal, McDaniels, Niang, and Ma- Maxi. Uh, that's, or, you know, whoever at the guard, which, like I said, we'll talk about that more later. But, yeah, I think those are the three. Yeah. Yeah, but it's it's tough because, like, we, the Celtics have the best record in the league. We could have beat them and should have beat them, so it's tough to see the positive. But taking the best team in the league, especially after playing their B team like a week ago and getting just beat that, like losing to them, having them see this bounce back, there is definitely some positives to take from it. I mean, it is hard to sit here and like see the positive because we obviously wanted to win that game. But we played them well. We played them tough. And if we didn't have like that lapse in the third to fourth quarter, I think we could have come out of, out of there with a win. So I think both of you touched on it a little bit in the Grizzlies and the Celtics game. Maxi seems to be struggling a little bit. Not exactly sure what that might be, but I'd love to hear your guys' opinions on it. Chris, we can start with you. Yeah, um, I mean, he's struggling, right? Like, there, there's really not much more to it. I, I think the aggression that we got used to towards the end of last season and even early this season is just not there. He's passing up shots that he normally takes, that he should take. I, I think, you know, we can just jump in, like, what is the issue is I, I do not think the move to the bench is favoring him. I, I think it has engineered a lot of lineups in such a way that is not really playing to match these strengths. I don't think he's at his best when he is given free reign and asked to run the second unit. A, because those units are just inherently operating at a disadvantage without Joel and James. There's no reason to ever not have one of those guys on the floor. And B, because Maxi, as great as he is out in the open court, he's not really a go-to scorer yet. He's a guy who thrives attacking off the catch, spacing off of Joel and James, and beating like a rotating defense and beating weaker defenders. If he's the only guy out there and the defense is keyed into him and you're asking him to create, I just don't think he's at the high enough level as a playmaker to really take advantage in those situations on a consistent basis. So I, I'm i glad that we are now seeing more, you know, Joel and James staggering from Doc. I think that's a positive progression. Joel said after the Boston game that he had a productive talk with Tyrese about how they can get him going more, what they need to do. He said that basically we need Tyrese to be more aggressive, to be more comfortable if we want to win anything. And, and that's true. He's their third best player. They need more out of him. So Hopefully things start to go in the right direction. Um, I, I think all of us are on the same page at this point. You know, I, I don't want to skip ahead, but like, no, I don't think the bench thing is working. <laughs> so, 
Yeah, no, Chris, I think you kind of danced around it here. I think in terms of Maxi, he's not a not the greatest, you know, starting initiating the offense or taking like, yeah, he can attack off the catch and, you know, whether it be a shot or take one or two dribbles and pull up, but he's not going to break a guy off the break a guy down off the dribble, you know, for five or six seconds and then like get a mid range a contested mid range up. That's not his game. And that's what you need from like a six guy. And he's not that I think he, I, I think just based off the eye test alone, and I'm going to be writing an article, so I'll be looking up the numbers here later. But um, I think he best, best plays with James. James hits him in easy spots. He, James is a fantastic playmaker. Maxie knows where to be for James, and James hits him in those spots. I, I think, you know, not having him and, you know, James on the court at the same time really hurts Maxie until Maxie can, you know, develop more of that. But I think it certainly hurt his confidence. And you hear him every time they, they interview asking him about, you know, coming off the bench, he says, even though I'm a starter in this league, and he is, he is. But I think that the the bench thing has really hurt him mentally. And the last thing we need is a, another guard that's been, you know, messed up mentally, right? So I, I think, like Chris has pretty much said, I, I think the bench thing is not working. Yeah. I, I, I think there's like, there's blame to go around here, right? Because we can't like move it all off of Tyrese. He deserves some level of blame for just not performing at the level that he needs to perform at. Like, like some of it is on Tyrese for not being good enough at certain things and for not taking the shots he needs to shoot, etc. And some of it, I, I agree, is probably on Doc. I, I think at the time when the decision was made, we all understood where he was coming from starting Milton. It all made sense. He had been starting for a while because of injuries. He'd been playing quite well. You needed another defender in there. The defense quite wasn't quite where it needed to be the first couple of weeks of the season. Melton helped a lot on that front. You get Maxie in to provide a spark off the bench. It, it made sense in theory. We all understood the thought process there. Yeah, I don't but, think anybody, I don't think anybody disagreed with the idea of trying it out, seeing if it worked. I think yeah. now we know that it doesn't work. I mean, Melton hasn't been looking as good as I'm sure you were about to say. And Maxie, I think if he was allowed to be back in the starting five, I think he would commit more defensively because I think he knows that that's an expectation now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you said basically again, what I was going to say, yeah, like Melton right. has not been as good lately. And I, I think at this point, it's pretty clear that it would be at least worth putting Tyrese back in the starting five. Those lineups are still better without him with him on the floor than without like, that's where he thrived last year. There's no reason to believe he couldn't thrive in that spot again. So I, I think it's time to make the switch. Um, I, I don't want to sit here and say, like, Doc ruined his confidence. You know, I, I don't, like, Maxi. I don't know. I, it's not, you know, Maxi hasn't lived up to his end of the bargain either necessarily this year. But, like, it, it's time to put him back in the starting five, I think. I, I think it would hopefully boost his confidence, put him back in more comfortable spots. Again, you should be staggering the rotation. So at least one or two. Uh, of the core four should be out there at all times. At least one of James and Joel especially should be out there at all times. Mm -hmm. And And look, you can stagger Maxie and Harden if you want and have Melton as that third guy. Melton can still get 25 minutes per game. I I don't have a problem with him getting 25 to 28 minutes. 
if yeah. you want more defensive pressure, or if you want to be, I mean, I, I think earlier on it was an ideal, you know, option having Tucker come off the bench. Now I don't know if I want to put take Tucker out of the starting five, but. Yeah, no, I, I mean, early in the season, a lot of us were talking about, hey, you know, let's bench PJ and start three guards. I I would say, like, I'm with you, Lucas. Now I, I'd be second-guessing that a bit. I don't know if we can, like, straight up say that PJ is better than Melton, but... What about he, the Bucs? He has been... I I, I don't know. I, I think, I think you got to keep starting, Tobias. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, yeah I mean, and that's fine. No, I'm just saying, like, if you do, if you really wanted to keep Melton in there, it's Tobias or PJ. I I think that's like an interesting proposition, and there's probably some merit to it. But I I don't know if anyone in or around the team or the fan base would really be wanting to engage on that. So, nah, it's not. It won't so, happen. I don't think it will happen. But no, I. What do you think, Jonathan? Well, like, I know you guys were talking about defensive presence. I think I mentioned a couple weeks back that they were saying Maxi, like, statistically, they're better per 100 possessions, 100 possessions on defense with Maxi in the starting lineup than they are with Melton. So I don't even think they, like, the main reason was to get more defensive presence, but they're better with Maxi in the defensive side of the ball in the starting lineup. So I agree with you. I mean, I think he needs to be in the starting lineup. I think that's the change they're going to have to make. But it seems you're both in agreement on that. But are there any other ways that the 76ers, Doc, can help Maxi get back in his groove? I think if they don't bring him off the bench, I think the only other option you have is to make sure that he's on the court with uh, with James Harden more. I think James Harden unlocks a part of his game that nobody else can. And I think that if, if you're going to try to get him going more, him and James are going to have to play together a little bit more. Yeah, um, I agree. I think it's more just placing him in more optimal lineups and continuing to, you know, speak to him like Joel did. Have those productive conversations. Ask what needs to be done to make him more comfortable, how he wants to, like, that kind of stuff is important. So, yeah, um, eventually, like, again, a lot of this is just on Tyrese, and he has to play better, he has to hit more shots, etc. But... The Sixers can do more to help him to boost its confidence. I think it would be quite wise to invest in, again, ostensibly your third best player who is really young and has a very bright future. Like, I know you want to win games. It's clear that you're not going to win the games you need to unless Tyrese is having star-level impact. So it's time to pivot towards trying to get that out of him every night. So I, I think he should be starting, like we said, and I, I think the Sixers really need to focus on trying to make him more comfortable. Now, I guess my other qu- – I, I will say this. If Doc doesn't do during the regular season, I can see there being a point in a playoff series that Doc goes back to Maxi. I don't think that he should wait that long. I think it should happen sooner. But there is a chance that Doc doesn't w- waste until a playoff series that isn't going quite his way to insert Maxi in there. Yeah. I agree, it's possible. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Yeah. All right. I guess time will tell, but um, all right, time to switch it up. Obviously at the beginning, you 
Lucas, you announced this is our 250th episode. Extremely exciting. So thought we'd add a little fun at the end of the podcast with a little Sixers trivia. I have seven questions that Lucas and Chris have not seen. Lucas, I'll go to you first and then Chris. Um, I won't tell you the right answer until both of you answer it. I got three. I rated these on terms of if I thought they were easy, medium, or hard. So they could be completely off base, but this is my opinion. So three easy, two medium, two hard. Um, Let's start out with one of the easier ones. Lucas, what were the Philadelphia 76ers originally called? Oh, gosh. I think it was the Syracuse Warriors. Chris? Um, It was the Syracuse Nationals, right? And then they went to the Philadelphia Warriors. Yeah, yeah you're it right. was the Syracuse Nationals. You're right. You're right. I forgot. I, I know Syracuse. I forgot the Nationals part. Yep, you're right. I messed up. You got the Syracuse part, though. So that's impressive. Yeah. All right. Number two, the 1983 championship season. How many postseason games did the 76ers lose on the way to the title? Oh, gosh. This is a hard one. Oh, gosh. I, I'll be I, honest. Wait, wait. It's my turn, right? I, I get first answer. Oh, I thought we were going Lucas first, but oh, no, I mean, it doesn't. Well, doesn't, doesn't Chris, let's alternate. Let's alternate. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Yeah. It's it's one, right? Yeah, it is one. Yeah. Okay. This okay. was the faux 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 Moses Malone. Uh they obviously lost the one, didn't sweep them. Gotcha. All right. Okay. This is the third one that I have falling falling in the easy category. Who is the only 76er to win Defensive Player of the Year? Uh, Dikembe Mutombo? No, he was a defensive player of the year winner, but he didn't win it with the Sixers. Or did he? No, he Chris? did Oh, who was it? Oh, Lord. Oh, man. Mm. I'm hearing typing. Yeah, hearing Chris, typing. I heard some typing. I'm not typing. Um, I don't know if I know that one. What? what? Hmm. This is not an easy... Was it Mutombo? It was Mutombo. Okay. Oh, well, okay. All okay. Right. That would have been my guess. I I thought you were saying it wasn't Matumbo. Okay. No, you. It, it, okay. I'm not going to tell you if Lucas is right or not. You're just going to have to go. Okay. All right. All right. We will go to medium. Chris, I'll start with you. Who is the first 76er to have his jersey retired? Oh, oh. oh. I know this one. Is it Red Kerr? No. It was Dolph Shares. Dolph Shares. Maybe. It's Hal Greer. Hal Greer. Oh, Hal okay. Greer. Mm. Okay. Interesting. Second one in the medium. I'm going to give you a multiple choice question, Lucas. Okay. Which of the following four players did not win Rookie of the Year? Michael Carter Williams, Allen Iverson, Elton Brand, or Ben Simmons? Uh, Elton Brand. Chris? Come on. Ah. Uh... Well, yeah. Wait, was it Elton Brand? It might have been Elton Brand. Although, I, I don't feel good about it. I, I think it might have been... Yeah, Elton Brand. It is Elton Brand. Yeah, I'm overthinking you it. No. He wasn't even a sixer. He wasn't even a sixer when he won, during his rookie year. So, yeah. Allen Iverson definitely wanted Ben. We know was going against Spider yeah. Mitchell, whose whole campaign was Ben wasn't a rookie, and then Michael Carter Williams won, which I don't even know how. MC- was the biggest MCW. By the way, MCW signed a two-year deal with the Magic, second year being a team option. Just, just thought I'd throw that out there. 
Good for him. I'm shocked. I used to tell him to come down to Delaware and play me in basketball. I did not think he was an <laughs> NBA player. I remember I saw his third third game of and third game of his career with my dad. It was my twenty first birthday, and uh, they were playing against the Warriors at home. It was a, a Iggy uh, a homecoming of sorts. Didn't he get a triple double in his first ever NBA game? Yes, he Something did. Like that? Yes, he okay. did. Was, sadly, that should have been a question. That first game that the Sixers lost that season, one of many during that rebuilding year. But the first two games they won, and then we lost that third game. That's when we had MCW, James Anderson, uh, give me a second here, Evan Turner, Spencer Hawes, and I forget who the power forward was. That uh, Thad Young. Thad Young. Thad Young. Yeah. Baller. Still, 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 still playing in, in uh, Toronto. I know, right? That's crazy. Mm-hmm. All right. We have two hard questions. Chris, I'll come to you first. Yeah. I'm not sure either of you are going to get these. I found these on the uh, deep internet. So okay. I'll, try, I'll give you a hint on the first one. But who, it's who has the highest single-season assist rate in Sixers history. It is a oh. player that was around during the process, 2015-2016 era. Um, I know this one. Hold up. Question, was it during when they were playing with the Sixers or just in their career in general? No, with the Sixers' highest single-season assist rate in Sixers history. Okay. Uh, TJ? Lucas? I, I'm going to say TJ as well. Ish Smith. What? Oh, I forgot about this. Assisted on 39.9% of baskets in the 2015-2016 season. That's crazy. I was going to say, so if you had not given me that hint, I was going to say Andre Miller. I was going to say Andre Miller if you you had not given me that hint. Yes, Ish Smith. Totally forgot about Ish. Absolutely correct. 39.9%. Unreal. Wow. Yes. That we he he made a career playing for us twice. He did. Yes. Okay. Uh Lucas, I'll go to you with this last one. Okay. Who has the best plus minus in a game for the Sixers since it was tracked starting in nineteen ninety six? There are two players tied with the highest plus minus. One you might get, one I'm not so sure, but I will give you the floor and then Chris. So I have to guess both of them? If you get one, that would be great. How many get? Do I get just one guess, or can I can I get two guesses because there's two players? Go for you can get three guesses for two players because this is a tough one. Okay, okay. Do you so, want to know what the plus minus is? Because I don't think it's going to yes, help, but yes. I'll just let you know. It was plus forty one. Plus forty one. Okay, so I'm going to say Allen Iverson's one. Question: The player that 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 I don't that you don't think I'm going to get was he a starter or was he a reserve oh. start starter for a short period of time did not have a long tenure did not have a long oh not did have a lo- did not have a wait did not have a long sixers tenure currently still playing in the league jimmy butler and then Chris? my third guess well hold up i got one more oh, guess oh, sorry sorry i get one more guess so i said ai jimmy butler and I will say my last one will be, you know what? I'll throw it out here. I'm going to say J.J. Redick. I'm going to go for a deep one there. I like those guesses. Chris, you get three guesses. 
still playing in the league. Um, hmm. <laughs> Short tenure, Chris. Okay. I heard him. All right. All right. Short tenure. Can't be Jimmy. We didn't win any games by 40 points with Jimmy, did we? I don't remember that. <laughs> we probably did. Um, oh, man. Can't be Jeremy Grant because we sucked back then. Um, he was in Philly for three right. years. Well, I don't know if you can consider that short. Okay. First guess. Cri- first guess. Correct guess is going to be Mo Cheeks. No, 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 Chris. Chris. Well, you know what? No, that's your guess. I'm not going to. I'm not even going to tell him. I told you. I said it first started getting tracked in 1996. Oh, yeah. oh, wait, wait, wait. Okay. All right. Time out. Scratch it from the record. <laughs> okay. Number one, first guess is Iggy. Number two, second guess, currently in the NBA, no longer with the team, short stint. Hmm. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Chris, you get two guesses. Well, I thought I got three. Yeah, yeah you, you get, get two more. One. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So it's Iggy. It's, I'm not going to overthink it. No, I am going to overthink it. Are you Googling? No, I'm not Googling. Guys, you really think very low of me. I I can't believe you think I'm Google right now. What would Uh, I just be Googling? Um, I don't know. Oh, my God. I want to know where you found the stat afterwards. Andre Iguodala, Ben Simmons, and Jimmy Butler are my three guesses. Why not? I'm willing to be totally wrong. No, we're not going to get this. You nailed Iggy. Way to go. That is wow. one of the two players. Impressive. Six is won by a game of 40 points with a okay. Okay. Well, he had a plus 41. Maybe when he was on the bench, they went for the other team went for a run. I don't and know. then the other one is Al Horford. Of course oh, it is. What? I hate this. <laughs> <laughs> no way. Al, come on, man. Al Horford, uh. This was on the Philly Voice is where I found that stat. Oh, that's a good, yeah, that's a that's a valid website. Okay, yeah. Wow, okay. Against Al Horford at a plus 41 against the Kings. <laughs> what? Was Joel playing that game or was he resting? I'm going to guess resting. I feel like um, he's been resting. And just for a note, the worst plus minus for the Sixers was Stephen Hunter minus forty eight in a two thousand seven loss. Oh, I remember Stephen Hunter <laughs> NBA two K. Uh, no NBA Live. I remember playing with Stephen Hunter. That was uh, Stephen. No, isn't he on a broadcast now for somebody? Isn't he on the Grizzlies broadcast team? He might be. Mm-hmm. He might be. Yeah, Stephen Hunter, I remember that name, was a terrible backup. They thought he was going to be good, but he just, yeah, no. Yeah, so we're going to wrap things up here, guys. We have reached uh, a very natural and seamless uh, transition here to our outro. To all our listeners, as always, thank you for tuning in to the Sixer Sense podcast. Please like, subscribe, and follow along if you can. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Audible. Or you can listen and read our written work at our website, thesixersense.com. We are on Twitter and Facebook at Sixersense. And until next time, go Sixers.
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.